Hey, hey, hey. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowles podcast show. I am, of course, your host, Gage Bowles. Just wanted to jump on this morning to start up the podcast again. It's been two years since an episode has come out due to me serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What a wonderful experience that was, everybody. Oh, my goodness. I was able to serve in the Northern Virginia area for the past two years, and it was just incredible. The experiences I had there, the people I was able to meet, it was just life-changing. And I'm extremely grateful for the people out there, and I'm grateful to have served God for the last two years. It was the best decision for my life, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, this morning, there's a lot to talk about. This is being filmed on August 1st, 2023. The MLB trade deadline ends today. We haven't seen a ton of movement. We have seen some big moves, such as like Max Scherzer going to the Texas Rangers, Giolito to the Angels. But there's a team I feel like not it's not really getting talked about enough. And that team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers have made some very big moves recently and some low-key moves that I feel like is going to affect them very positively and carry them in the upward trend. So if you look at the National League West right now, the Dodgers sit atop the league. This is how the league runs right now. You have the Dodgers in first place. They're at 59 and 45. And the Giants are in second place. They're at 58 and 49. The Dodgers currently are two and a half games up on the Giants. And the Dodgers want to continue to widen that margin. They want to make that a bigger deficit for the Giants to fight. And the Dodgers have made some moves recently that uh, I feel like honestly has helped them kind of do so, quite honestly. So if you're a Dodgers fan, you remember last season, okay? Walker Buehler undergoes some flexor tendon and his second Tommy John surgery. So you're looking into this season, 2023, and everybody I think was pretty much in agreement when we thought, there's no chance really that Walker Bueller makes a debut this season. Now, there has been a sentiment expressed that he could make a return in September. He could make a debut then. And right now, he's starting to track to that. And what would be nice is that would be a nice return to the rotation because the Dodgers, Dustin Mays out for the year, Kershaw is nursing an injury, Ryan Pepiot. He's also nursing an injury. And so you have this young pitching staff in front of you. So what do the Dodgers do? The Dodgers see this young pitching staff they have, and they say, we got to bolster this. we got to do something about this. Because if you look at the rotation right now, it's currently anchored, honestly, by their three rookies. You have Emmett Shahan, Michael Grove, and you have Bobby Miller. If you look at the All-Star, so since the All-Star break, those three pitchers have had nine starts amongst them. And right now, they're posting a 4.71 ERA between all three of them. And so what do the Dodgers do? They, they grab Lance Lynn. They needed to bolster that rotation. Because on the back end of the rotation, you have Julio Urias and you have Tony Gonsolin. They have not had phenomenal seasons. Now, Lance Lynn himself has not had an incredible season. I mean, currently right now, Lance Lynn is sitting at a 6-9 record with a 6.47 ERA. That, 
that doesn't usually, those usually aren't the 36 year olds numbers. Okay. Lance Lynn usually posts a lot better. Like if you look at his last season, 2022, Lance Lynn was eight and seven with a 3.99 ERA. So Lance Lynn, he knows how to win ball games. He's played in the MLB a long time. He's going to help this Dodgers rotation out quite a bit. Okay. So that's one of the first moves that they do. The other thing that they do is they pick up Joe Kelly. They reunite themselves with Joe Kelly. They're like, all right, you know what? We've, We've got to bolster our bullpen as well. And the Dodgers bullpen has actually looked pretty good this season. Not going to lie with you. So they get Joe Kelly back. That's a huge addition. Then they start to bolster their bench depth. They pick up Kike Hernandez. They reunite with him. And then they add Ahmed Rosario. And the thing about these moves for the Dodgers is they haven't given up very much to actually receive these guys. I mean, look at the Ahmed Rosario trade. You only gave up Noah Syndergaard for a solid bat in Rosario. Rosario's a very good player. I mean, that's a nice move to me. If I'm the Dodgers, yeah, dude, man, I'm jumping all over that. Syndergaard, really not that phenomenal of a pitcher, hasn't added too much to your arsenal. Pick up a bat. Offense is going to win you games. Your pitching has proved to keep you in games, but your offense needs to back that. And the Dodgers have a great lineup. They have posted one that I think is honestly underrated. I feel like a lot of times we just aren't talking enough about the Dodgers. So you have that, right? Okay. You're really hoping that Walker Bueller returns. In September. That would be huge. But I think these moves for the Dodgers is going to continue to solidify them as the number one team in the National League West. I really don't see the Giants rising up and overcoming the Dodgers. I don't see the Diamondbacks rising up. I mean, the Diamondbacks right now, they're sitting at 57 and 50. They're still a good team. They're three and a half games back of the Dodgers. I don't see the Padres rising up. The Padres have been. Not great this year. Not great for the amount of money that they spent this offseason. And the players they have in that lineup, I don't know how you're not better than where you're currently at. I mean, you got Tatis, you got Bogarts, you got Juan Soto. You literally have everybody and their dog on that team. And the pitching has been, I mean, look at Blake Snell this year. Snellzilla has been incredible. Blake Snell, that dude's in the running for the Cy Young. And they still cannot win a ball game. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch. I can't believe it. I mean, but you also have the Mets. They're in a very similar situation. You look at the Mets and the Padres right now. I mean, the Mets are 50 and 55. They're 17 and a half games back of Atlanta. Atlanta is just run away with the National League East. They're just running away with it. I mean, then you look at the San Diego Padres. They're in a very similar boat. Now, their deficit is much smaller than the than the Mets. San Diego, you're sitting at 52 and 55, and you're eight and a half games back of the Dodgers. But it's it's embarrassing to watch these teams that spend a ton of money get absolutely punked. Reminds me of when the Brooklyn Nets had the big three, Harden, Durant, and Irving. Didn't work out too great for them. 
it's not working out too well for some of these teams as well. So continue to watch for the Dodgers. They made some nice moves. I'm really happy with where they're at. It's it's going to be another good season for them, and they're probably going to have another good postseason. Yeah, they have some teams that they're going to have to get past. I mean, Atlanta looks good this year. Currently right now, Atlanta 67-37. and 37. They're a good team this year. They have really separated themselves amongst the people in the National League East. You know what? I'm just going to bring it up. Look at the National League East right now. So Philadelphia, the Phillies are in second place. They're 57 and 49. They are 11 games back behind the Braves. That's a huge, huge deficit. That's a big margin. Then you look at the National League Central. Cincinnati's in first place. They're 59 and 49. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz, holy mammoth. Oh my goodness, that guy can play. He can also hit the ball a really long way. Holy cow. Milwaukee, second place there. I mean, they're 57 and 50. They're only a game and a half back. So this is going to be a good postseason, I think. The Dodgers will continue to probably still surprise us, though. I mean, the Dodgers always find ways, no matter who's on the roster, to eke out wins. They always win. They're incredible to watch. So watch out for them. Now, the second team I want to talk about, of course, is is my Angels. I feel like the Angels have actually made some good moves as of late to put themselves in a much better position to win. Okay, so the Angels were coming into this season. Otani, Otani's going to be Otani. The dude's a unicorn. He's just, he's unnatural. I mean, the guy is incredible. The guy is incredible to watch. Okay, Trout. Trout always posts up basically an MVP season. Now, this season has been a little bit of a different story for Mike Trout, and once again, Trout plagued by a wrist injury. I feel like Trout's always getting hurt in July. It's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. You looked at the state of the team this year, though, and it wasn't great. The offseason was not incredible for the Angels. I mean, Brandon Drury's not huge. I mean, he's not really a household name for me, at least. There's just moves that they made that I was like, yeah. But this deadline, they've made some moves that I'm a big fan of. The most recent move came with the Rockies. The Angels sent their number 8 and 28 prospects to Colorado in return for C.J. Crone, Angels reunite with him. And they reunite with Randall Gritchick. Remember, Randall Gritchick was drafted by the Angels. And they bring both these players back. What I love about this is the Angels are finally bolstering their lineup. The Angels have really struggled with runners in scoring position this season. C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick helped that a lot. This is going to be a nice move. Gritchick and C.J. Crone both made Angels debuts last night against the Atlanta Braves, and both actually did pretty well. Randall Gritchick nailed a home run out into right field. C.J. Crone had a nice hit in the ninth inning. 
And he also, though, before that, he had some hard-hit balls in his at-bats. The dude can swing the bat. He knows how to hit the ball. And he adds to first base because if you look at who the Angels have been putting at first base recently, it's okay, right? They've had Mike Moustakis there. I like Moustakis there. But then you've had, like, Eduardo Escobar. You've had Trey Cabbage. You've seen Jared Walsh in the past. Matt Theis a little. Like, that position for the Angels has seen more people in the last couple months than I think any other position in baseball, my heavens. So now you finally have a solid first baseman who has a good bat in Crone. Your outfield, your outfield actually looks pretty good. Now the Angels did suffer a loss. Taylor Ward suffering some facial fractures after getting hit in the face in Toronto by uh, an Alec Manoa pitch. That's going to hurt. He's on the 60-day IL. He probably will not finish the season with the Angels unless the Angels do make it to the postseason. There's a very high chance that Taylor Ward does come back. But as of right now, the Angels are currently out of the American League wildcard spot. So you need to get there first in order for Ward to return. So Gretchik will add a very nice bat. He'll add a very nice glove. I mean, I love Gretchik. Looking at his stats right now, you got nine home runs, you got 28 RBIs, and he's batting 307. That is what the Angels need right there. A 307 batting average is incredible. That's what we love to see. And then you have CJ Crone as well as part of that deal. CJ Crone's got 11 home runs this season. He's got 33 ribbies, and he's batting 258. Not bad either. Great pickups. Great pickups right there. Other one that I love, Moustakis. I've actually really enjoyed having Mike Moustakis on the ball club. You can play him at third. You can play him at first base. You can play him at DH. Moustakis is a very versatile player. He can move all around. I really enjoy that we have him. He's also a very nice bat. Moustakis has always proven that he can hit the baseball, and he can hit the baseball a long way, but he can also hit for contact. He's he's an overall good player. I really enjoyed having him on the ball club. Now, the other one that we made was Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito, I think, was a very interesting pickup for the Angels. It's definitely something they needed. I will fully admit that right now. The Angels starting pitching, it's kind of a mess. And so they needed a guy like Lucas Giolito to come in to kind of bolster that rotation. Be the solid guy. Your solid guy right now is Otani. Otani is your go-to guy at this moment. He's your number one starter. But after that, I mean, it fluctuates. You have Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers is kind of a day-to-day basis. He's the start-by-start kind of guy. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, Patrick Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval, his season has been like a roller coaster. There's times where Patrick Sandoval is on, and I'm like, holy cow, I love this guy. And then there's games he pitches where it's like, that guy can't find the strike zone. His location is off. His command is not great. And you're like, ooh. And it gets ugly really fast, and he doesn't last very long. Then you have Griffith Canning. Griffith Canning has proved to be pretty solid this season. His last couple games, he's pitched very well. So he's he's actually been much better from the prior season. Much, much, much better. And then from there... you're. I mean, Chase Silseth, 
he pitched a very nice game against Atlanta the other night, but he's not, he's not always going to be that way. So he is three and one. He's got a three, nine, nine ERA, but you needed a guy. It's like, okay, we, we have a solid number two. We have somebody that we can rely on. I think Giolito did provide that. I mean, when Giolito came in to the angels, he had a six and six record, not phenomenal. And he had a over three ERA. But I think he'll actually end up being pretty well for the Halos. The Angels have always struggled with pitching. It seems to be kind of the name of the game for them again this year. Now, I will admit they have had big struggles with runners in scoring position. That has once again plagued the Halos. But Pitching has always been something the Angels have always struggled at, something the Angels have always needed to upgrade in, something they've always needed to go after at trade deadlines. And so it was very nice to see that Artie Moreno finally, finally got some pitching for the Halos. And, you know, on top of that, on top of the the Giolito, we got Reynaldo Lopez. Reynaldo Lopez phenomenal pitched a great outing against Atlanta the other night it was it was fun to watch him I mean with I I mean I was watching him thinking dude this guy is getting absolutely gassed he's probably not going to be available the rest of the series against Atlanta with the amount of pitches he threw but I mean it was solid to watch I mean he pitched an inning in two thirds struck out three guys and he was on he was touching 100 miles an hour a little over 100 even he was fun to watch. He bolsters a, a bullpen for them. The Angels have really, really struggled in the bullpen this year. I mean, guys like Aaron Loop, as much as I love Aaron Loop, I mean, he's posting a 499 ERA right now. Not solid. Soriano has been pretty well um, for the Halos. You got Matt Moore. So he bolsters a bullpen that needs some help as well. Um, Estevez has been fun to watch too. Estevez is wow. He he is he is a lot of fun. But the Halos finally made moves for themselves that really pushed them to get to the AL wild card. Right now, the Angels' biggest push is get to the wild card. Why? Because we want to keep Otani. The Angels could have sold Otani at the trade deadline. That was a huge topic of conversation. This trade deadline. Is Otani going to get moved? Who's going to get Otani? You know, we heard that the Yankees were in the running. The Yankees were willing to give up a little bit to receive Otani because they're in the American League East. Man, that is a tough division this year. Feels like Baltimore and Tampa are always swapping first place. Then you have Toronto. Toronto has been a good team this year. They're in the running for the American League wild card. You have the Yankees that are making a push. You have the Red Sox making a push. They have a lot of teams right now that are in a very good position to win. That is a very extremely tough division. Otani would have just propelled the Yankees. That's a huge bat for their lineup and a big arm for their rotation right now. Because Garrett Cole, that, that he's looking like he's going to win the American League Cy Young with the way he's been pitching lately. Yet another arm like Otani. Whew, the Yankees look deadly. But the Angels decide to say, no, we're not selling Otani. They take Otani off the trade market. They're making a big push for the wild card, the postseason, because they want to retain Otani. This is Otani's last 
contracted season with them. Next season, he hit. He can hit the market. He can go wherever he wants. And if the Angels don't make the postseason this year, I definitely fe- feel that that will affect where Otani goes. Otani wants to win. Every player wants to win. Your satisfaction does not come in the contract that you get or how big it is, the money you receive. Your satisfaction comes in winning. That's what makes players like Michael Jordan and David Ortiz incredible to watch because they are winners. That's what fuels them. And that's what the Angels have inside of them right now. They want to win. They want Otani to make it to the postseason. And they want Trout to go back. I mean, Trout hasn't been to the postseason since 2014 when the Angels got swept by the Kansas City Royals. They're ready to go back. They're they're amped, they're ready, and they want Otani. So that is the MLB trade deadline right now. Those are some teams that have made some moves. It's The, the deadline is not over yet. It will finish today, this afternoon. We could see some other names be moved, such as Justin Verlander. We saw Max Scherzer get moved to the Texas Rangers. That was crazy to see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But this deadline has been fun to watch. The Chicago White Sox have been sellers, obviously. They've traded quite a bit. They're kind of in a reboot phase right now. That's good for them. That's very good for them to be in a very big reboot phase. Teams that I thought were going to make moves, such as the Padres and the Mets, other teams, I thought, okay, they're going to make some moves. They, they want to become better. They didn't make moves. So we'll see what happens. This is going to be a really fun. So this is the first part of the episode. Make sure to stay tuned. After we come back from the break, we'll discuss Brigham Young University starts fall camp today. They're preparing for their season upcoming. We'll talk about their move the Big 12, and the storylines ahead of Brigham Young football this season. Welcome back from the break. You are listening to the Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowls podcast show. BYU joining the Big 12 and expectations coming into this from Cougars fans and from analysts are low and quite honestly, I'm there with them. There's a couple reasons why I'm there with them. I'll give you two of them. But then there's some stories coming out of camp that I really want to key into and and talk about for a second. But going back to my reasonings, one of the first reasons why I'm a little worried about this BYU season is you haven't seen this level of competition consistently. BYU will occasionally play a very good team, but then after that they won't play a team that really challenges them. BYU is going to be challenged. I mean, these teams in the Big 12, you have like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, teams that are going to challenge you every single game. It's going to be gritty. And you have you've got to you've got to keep with them. The other thing I think that really affects BYU season, I mean, you have 60 newcomers to this team. That is a ton, okay? And when I mean 60 new newcomers, this is people like preferred walk-ons, return missionaries coming back to the team. You got freshmen. You got transfers. You've got 
60 new faces to assimilate to this BYU team. That's a big task at hand for Kalani Sataki. But there are things coming out of fall camp that I think we should really stay keyed into when it comes to Brigham Young. Okay. The first one is the quarterback situation. And especially surrounding Keaton Slavis. So Slavis is a USC and a pit transfer. I really like the guy. He, he, I think he's honestly the man to replace Jaron Hall. This is Slavis' team this year. He's getting the bulk of reps in training camp. This is his team. He seems to be adjusting very well to the Brigham Young life as well. From reports from him, from tweets on Twitter, He's adjusting to Provo very well. He's very comfortable. He seems like he's he's ready to go. And the guys have just embraced him. They're excited for him. What's crazy about Keaton Slavs, I mean, there are more than 25 players in BYU's camp who began their college career completely somewhere else. Sataki did a very good job at hitting the portal hard. Last season, BYU goes 8-5. and five. Not the record that Sataki or Cougars fans wanted to see from Brigham Young. So what does he do? He hits the, por- the portal hard. And he did so very well. Why? Because BYU's transfer class, it's currently ranked number 21 in the country. Now, these guys, you've got to catch all of these guys up to speed now. Now you have all of them. They're very malleable. They want to be here. You now have to assimilate them to the culture of BYU football. And you have to do so fast because you do not want to embarrass yourself in front of the competition you have in front of you. But I am very ecstatic for what's ready to happen. Okay, so that's probably the number one storyline out of camp, out of fall camp right now for me. Keaton Slavis, this is his team. What is he going to do with this team? I'm excited to see what happens. Okay, the second thing. Sataki's defense struggled. We all witnessed that. So what does he do? He gets Weber State's coach, Jay Hill, to come on and join the team. Jay Hill comes. Jay Hill looks at the state of the defense and says, I've got to fix this. So what does he do? He decides to surround himself with some of the best defensive coaches. Okay, he got former BYU players, Kelly Papinga and Justin Ina. And he got Sion Pauha. Pauha. 
he he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he also, he's looking at the D-line. And what does he decide to do? He decides to get Max Tooley and Ben Bywalk. I mean, bolstering that. That's huge. What does he also do? He goes and he gets Jackson Cravens and Isaiah Bagna from Boise State. Once again, a lot of new guys. You got all these transfers. But there's no one right now I would trust more than Jay Hill right there. You Seriously, you look at that lineup of coaches that he has and the guys that he's working with. I'm ready to see what Jay Hill schemes up. I'm ready to see it. So Jay Hill, very exciting. Very, very exciting to watch him. Okay? The other thing. Here's what BYU absolutely absolutely needs to do. They need to avoid injuries at all costs. You cannot suffer any losses injury-wise this season. I mean, too many seasons, BYU has been plagued by injury. You cannot suffer that. Critical part of college football is keeping your guys healthy. It's a very physical sport. College football goes hard. But your task as the team personnel is to make sure that my big guys are staying healthy. Because this season is very critical for BYU. I mean, this is their introduction to the Big 12. So, and you only have one shot at it. So, and you want to make the best presentation that you can. But if you are losing your big guys to injury, guys that you absolutely need to be on the field, you cannot afford them to get hurt. So you're going to do everything in your power. Everything in your power to keep them. Those are some storylines coming out of BYU right now. I mean, another thing, BYU really needs a kicker. They're going to need one really bad. The field field goal kicking hasn't been great. I mean, Jake Oldroyd's gone. So you need a guy right now, honestly, that's going to help you. You you absolutely need somebody there because you can't you can't be losing field goal points. You cannot be losing easy points. You can't afford that. You just can't. I'm excited for BYU season though. I mean, I, I just look at their schedule. They they start obviously against Sam Houston and then they play Southern Utah University. But then their schedule after that, I mean, it's a fun schedule. You play Arkansas, then Kansas, then Cincinnati. 
TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and then your final game of the season is Oklahoma State. I mean, these are these are some good names. These are good teams. It's going to be absolutely incredible to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. I have full faith. Full faith that BYU can do okay. Do I think they'll do great? No. I mean, for all we know, BYU could shock us this year. There's always that possibility hanging in the air that BYU could just shock us. My my expectations are low. But I'm excited to see how well they compete against this level of competition and then readjust and prepare for the next season. This is going to be a very big season of learning for them. They're going to learn a lot about themselves as a team, about the level of competition they, they can handle, and where they need to get to to handle that level of competition. This will be a very big learning curve season for them, but it's going to be exciting to watch. Well, folks, that's all I have for us today. I am just so grateful and excited to be back. Sports, it's just a love of mine. It is just a love. This is such a burning passion. Stay patient with me. You know, as I try to get back into the swing of things, yes, I'm going to miss, miss say things. I'm going to give opinions that, honestly, are just extremely unpopular. But remain patient with me. I know that as I return and start to immerse myself more and more and more back into back into the lovely world of sports that sooner than later I'll, I will definitely get the hang of this but I'm I'm very very grateful for your support the love that you all show me it's exciting to be back what an exciting exciting time we have before us thank you so much for joining us today stay tuned for the next episode thank you and god bless y'all